0: Hello and welcome back to another instalment of Overstudies. Yes,
1: hello, welcome. We're back again.
0: Yes, and we've got some exciting things to talk about this week, haven't we? Exciting things. Yeah, it's a little bit
1: different this week. We've we've gone on a different direction to usual. And instead of talking about one show, we're going to talk about many.
0: The recurring theme with these shows is they're shows that we would love to see, but for some reason just haven't been put on yet, haven't been put on for a while may never be put on. There's many reasons why these shows are shows we'd love to see, but also shows that we might not get to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and we're gonna explore a couple of shows each that, you know, are on our kind of wish list. Some of them we share wanting to see, some of them we couldn't care less about. Um but they're all shows that actually I think the West End or the regional theaters or wherever deserves um, and they shows that at some point we would like to be able to get the chance to see if they do crop up in the future.
0: Yes, absolutely. In the meantime, you can also get involved and uh, drop us a message on social media and let us know exactly what shows you'd like to see come to the West End or beyond.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do let us know. If you want to get in touch, you can head on to social media or on Twitter at Overstudies or on Instagram at
0: Overstudies blog. We also have a website, www.overstudies.co.uk which has a contact form. And you can also email us if you're that way inclined, stage at uk. We love hearing from you. So do get in touch. Like genuinely, we love hearing your feedback.
1: Yeah, we do. Your feedback really does mean a lot to us. We do love reading it, good or bad, as long as it's constructive then it will be taken as it is intended. We haven't introduced ourselves yet so we should probably do that. My name's Charlie.
0: Mine's Becky. We
1: are the chaotic duo that is the overstudies. We do love each other really.
0: Eh, Sometimes.
1: I guess we should move on and start exploring today's episode.
0: Yeah I think we should uh, jump straight into some of the shows we'd love to see. Am I going first? Yeah. Okay so first question I have for you is. For me? Yeah for you specifically. Do you want to hear about a film adaptation, a film adaptation, <laughs> or a musical about post traumatic stress and survivor's guilt. <laughs> Take your pick.
1: Wow. So we're going quite deep today, then. Um, I would like film adaptation number two.
0: Okay. Wow. We're starting strong. We are going straight into Beetlejuice.
1: Nice.
0: Yes. So, Beetlejuice, for those who are not familiar, is based on the 1988 film of the same name, which is a story of a deceased couple who try to haunt the inhabitants of their former home. And it's just quite silly, I think is the best way to describe it.
1: I would love to haunt your home.
0: Okay. please please don't do that because i will not put it past you to do that just to annoy me from beyond the grave
1: yeah i haven't seen this film which will be no surprise to anybody
0: well the funny thing is i have also not seen the film because i am a scaredy cat and i jump at the smallest of things but we're an owner riders in it i know that's why that's the hard thing is that i i'm a scaredy cat i don't like any form of horror genres etc this however is just quite a camp horror from what I do know about it, and even though I'm not as familiar with the film text, I think that the musical has had such a great reception and is a brilliant example of an adaptation from a film to a musical. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about this show from its run on Broadway, and there's such a appetite for this show to come over. To the uk that i'm actually surprised that it's not happened yet i think it's it's one of those that's got such a demand it genuinely shocks a lot of people that i talk to about this show everyone's like i just don't understand why we haven't got it yet because i think it's the right blend of kind of like dry humor that uk audiences are gonna love when we get it
1: i think part of the challenge with beetlejuice is that it's the genre of it is fairly niche to an extent. And we've had, obviously, Adam's Family touring um, recently. That's been around for in the UK for about four or five years now. Um, obviously, we've also got kind of similar cult classic musicals. Let's not gloss over Heather's too much here. Is there necessarily going to be the market for that kind of show at the moment, alongside all these other ones? And I think that, that potentially is going to be a reason why it perhaps hasn't quite made it over just
0: yet. That and logistically, it's a massive, massive production. The set pieces are gigantic. You need a huge theatre and a huge theatre that has hydraulics. How many theatres in the West End are big enough and have hydraulics that currently don't have another cult 80s musical and selling out tickets year after year after year? Which shows that? We can only think of one. (laughs) There have been conversations about Beetlejuice happening and the producers of the show have pretty much already earmarked they want the Adelphi because it's the only theatre that has the hydraulics that they need and has the space. Yeah. But Back to the Future, another fantastic show is doing a little bit too well (laughs) so that Beetlejuice can't have the space that it would need. There are probably other theatres that it could slot quite nicely into, but a lot of those other theatres are then have like decade long productions running. And I think it would be interesting to see how things would be playing out if COVID hadn't have happened because obviously COVID delayed the launch of Back to the Future and impacted Beetlejuice's Broadway run as well. I think if we hadn't have had that two-year gap, we might be in a very different scenario now as to if Back to the Future was still as popular and that space was available or if another space had become available elsewhere.
1: I think this is something that everybody has to remember is that the industry as a whole, particularly at the West End, and indeed Broadway and indeed regional theatres are still about two years behind schedule. You know, contracts were signed runs were agreed that just got pushed back. Some of them, yes, will have been cancelled. There'll be shows that had, would have been ready to announce, about ready to announce like in March 2020, that will never have been announced and will have been cancelled. And we will never now get to see them come to fruition, which is a huge shame. But there are other shows out there that we know had to delay their, um, their runs. As we said, Back to the Future was delayed opening Heather's, of course, the tour there that delayed um, its run. And Therefore, it's not going to be hugely surprising that there are shows that haven't come through yet that might otherwise seem as obvious candidates. But that's not to say that we're not going to see them in the future. Um, You know, there is a lot of flux happening. There's a lot of West End shows that at the time of recording are coming to a close with no replacements for the venues they're in announced yet. So who knows? Like, There are other theatres of a similar size to the Adelphi with the necessary kind of technical... And backstage elements. So never say never, I would say.
0: And I I also agree with what you were saying earlier in that maybe we've just got too many cult musicals at the moment. Like we we have a lot of them and they're all based on 80s films, which for me is a winner because I'm I'm happy, I'm sold, I'm in my element. But maybe we've got too many of them. And that's one of the reasons why we've not had something like Beetlejuice.
1: Well, let's not forget, you know, the Adams Family tour had to actually close early. And part of that's going to be the economics because of COVID, et cetera. But equally, by all accounts, it wasn't selling out as it did on the first tour. So is there perhaps the appetite for these big cult classics at the moment? And maybe the news of Adams Family might have pushed back Beetlejuice a little bit, because if people are not liking something that's a fairly similar genre... Of being quite silly, but also like a little bit spooky and a little bit scary, like that doesn't necessarily bode well.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think because this isn't a, you know, Tony Award Best Musical winner, it was nominated, but it didn't win. It's only kind of like big accolades are at set design. Is that putting off people from kind of backing that horse because it doesn't have that big selling point? that we do see with, you know, other transfers that we've seen since COVID or that were delayed by COVID. Say, for example, Frozen has those big accolades and Frozen's always going to be a hit because it's Disney. But is that, is it, you know, we compare it to something like that is, are we going to favor something that's a guaranteed hit or are we going to take a risk on something that doesn't have that easy sell
1: equally though you say that frozen didn't do that well on broadway let's not forget it did it was a casualty of the pandemic in closing early but it was already closing like it closed early not prematurely if that makes sense yeah so because i saw frozen on broadway and i i adore it you know i adore it but i think this is it is that the the industry as a whole is very fickle i mean this isn't of no use to anybody but equally what does well on broadway isn't necessarily going to do well on on the West End and vice versa, because let's look at Frozen, the UK version, which has had some tweaks and had some revisions and is thriving. We don't necessarily know for certain how Beetlejuice would go down on the West End based off its Broadway run. But equally, I think, like I say, the Adams Family and, and some of the receptions to that probably is a little bit of an indicator about what's going on. But if there's anything we know about this industry, never say never.
0: Yeah, anything could happen. And I think that's quite exciting. Also quite scary though.
1: You know, who Who knows? Who knows? Beetlejuice, definitely one we would both want to see. Sticking with the theme of cult musicals, if we may, one musical that I would like a revival of, if only so you get to see it and you can understand the sheer incredibleness of it, if that's a word, is Lazarus, which is the David Bowie musical.
0: I, like, I need to see this and I think I would truly love it. And I'm so jealous that you actually did get to see this. Because I, I already know that I'm sold. Like I'm a Bowie fan. What What more am I going to like? There's no reason for me to dislike this show.
1: No, completely. Like obviously, it's jukebox musical um, featuring some of the best music of David Bowie. Um, so I was lucky to see it at the Kings Cross Theatre um, in its 2016 to 2017 run. Saw so it right towards the end, so December 2016, and it was genuinely such an incredible and fun but also as you'd expect with Bowie completely out there and slightly mad performance and story um, based around uh, the book, The Man Who Fell to Earth. It was one of his last works completed before he died. It's just such a fun little show. And it was a really nice one kind of for quite a small theatre like the King's Cross Theatre was. You know, this isn't a big, 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 big show. It is a cult classic and it is a small one of fairly limited appeal. Yes, I will give you that. But nonetheless I think there's a home for it I think it would do really well especially with some kind of distance now from Bowie's death I think it's the kind of slightly existential but also just a little bit through the looking glass kind of st- tale that fit kind of needs at the moment it needs something that's a bit more a little bit mainstream in terms of being such a an iconic artist but equally being a little bit out there in terms of subject matter because it, it, I, I, as I say and I can't cannot hammer this home enough. As you would expect with Bowie, it is bonkers.
0: I mean, we would not expect anything less. It would have to be bonkers. If it wasn't, I'd be like, what's the point in this? Yeah. I think it's interesting as well that it is a jukebox musical, but quite, by the sounds of it, quite an artsy one. Yeah. The two don't generally seem to go hand in hand. You don't usually see art and jukebox go together. But I think that's why... I know I would love this because I love a arty musical that's a bit weird but also has like banger after banger after banger.
1: I think one of the things that helps its cause and, and really helps to make it work is that obviously it's Bowie who wrote the music has also heavily involved in the musical. It's not like where somebody's gone, let's take Bowie's greatest hits and turn it into the next Mamma Mia. It's it's actually much more along the lines of something like Anne Juliet, which I would argue is art and jukebox personally. Um, and I'm sure you would back me in that one. Preach. Um, But it's definitely not as mainstream. Like, whereas... You know, Anne Juliet is telling a story that we all know Bowie is is a lot more niche. Um, but I think that's part of its strength is that you get these very well-known songs, like obviously Heroes is in there.
0: Changes. I'm Ch- just looking yeah, at the track well. list now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's got all the songs you kind of expect, but in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be. And I think that's one of kind of the the clever things of it is where they just get sort of dropped in there and like I say the King's Cross cast and production was really simple in terms of like the staging and stuff and anybody went to the King's Cross theatre would understand that because it was temporary temporary structure whilst they were doing some of the regeneration works there either way I still think it should have also been turned into a permanent theatre rather than yet another generic office block but that's a rant for a different podcast like it was simple and but it let the actors and the music be the important focal point which is what you'd want again from like a Bowie musical, I think.
0: Yeah. And I'm just like looking at some of the songs that are included, like sound and vision is included. And I'm like, you know what? That makes total sense that that would be in a Bowie show. Yeah. It's like he wrote a musical song without realising that he'd written a musical song.
1: This is it. All the songs don't feel contrived, how they've been like inserted in. They all really work in terms of the narrative and the plot. and that's one of the, I mean, you and I will both defend jukebox musicals to the end of the planet, but that's one of the things with some jukebox musicals that doesn't always go down well, is that when you get a very contrived insertion, just to kind of almost get a song in. And to be fair, there's a couple of things in Anne Juliet that I think is guilty of that, where it it flows, but it's also like, yeah, no, you've put this in here for the, the laugh of getting this song in rather than necessarily for perfect narrative reasons. Whereas with Lazarus, every song has a place. I think.
0: Interesting. That's what uh, I'd say I I think least. I might actually have to go and listen to this cast recording, which th- is usually against, it's like my r- number one rule is not to do that, but I might have to.
1: It's kind of the overstudied policy, isn't it? If yeah. we're not being allowed to listen to cast albums yet, there's sometimes we have to, we have to do that. And I, I do think you might have to go and listen to Lazarus. I do agree.
0: I think, I mean, because I already know the songs, I think it's a very different scenario to if like, I didn't know any at all.
1: Exactly. And all I'm going to say as well is that when we get this revival, just saying, Jordan Luke Gage.
0: Are we just casting him in everything that comes up now? Yeah. I mean, Jamie Moscato was in the original run. So just keep the trend of people who've played JD (laughs) in this musical. Sure. Why not? Makes sense.
1: So I believe there's another show now that you want to talk about, which carries on the theme of listening to cast recordings without having seen the show. So it's one you've broken the the golden rule for, but with good reason.
0: Actually, both of the ones that I'm going to speak about, I've broken that rule for, but okay, this is one that was completely new to me. In April, I think it was last year. Yeah, we had Chesney Fox Potter on the Of Studies. Radio show back Radio then. Radio shows, it was yeah. Wow, Ches- throwback.
1: <laughs> Lovely Chesney from Tight Lads Entertainment.
0: He told us about this show um called Bandstand. Yeah, which it was his little moment where he's like, oh, that's that's a you know just like makes your brain go a bit buzzy. And we listened to the song and we're like, yeah, actually, this is like really really good. It's um a, the ending of a song in the show called Donny Nowitzki. It's just a nice, really nice little moment. Um, So I listened to that song and I was like, okay, this is, you know, nice sounding. Forgot about the show for about a year. (laughs) And then was like, one of my aims for 2023 is to like branch out and listen to some different musical theatre. Break the rule. Breaking the overstudies rule, but like of shows that I know I'm unlikely to get to see. Yeah. Bandstand was the first on my list but now that I've listened to the cast recording, I need it like immediately. <laughs> um. So Bandstand is a American musical that is composed by uh, Richard Abraktor and has book and lyrics by Abraktor and Robert Taylor. And it basically tells the story of the aftermath of the second world war. And handles kind of like a survivor's guilt and post-traumatic stress disorder and the question of how do you return to normal when you've seen horrific and life-changing things happen right in front of your eyes how do you then return to the way things were before yeah this was a surprising love for me i listened to it and got about halfway through and was like, okay, I'm kind of on board with this. Like I get the appeal. I'm a big fan of like musicals that aren't orchestral, but have a band, like a brass band feel to them. And there's one song um, called Right This Way, which comes actually, I would say it's probably, would say it's probably about the halfway mark in the show. I can't work out if it's like the pre-interval, number or if it's like the opening of the second act right yeah but it's it's slap bang halfway through and I heard that song and I was like no I'll get this show now like I'm sold like there's something about it and the harmonies and the way it builds and just the amount of emotion you go through during that five minutes of that song and something in my brain just lit up and I was like, right, okay, no, I get it now. I get why people like this show. And now sadly I need to see it, (laughs) but it's very unlikely that that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I caved as well and listened to this after you told me to, and I, I definitely haven't fallen in love with it to the same extent that you have. But I think part of that for me is I do, I'm still trying to distance myself from it because I'm trying very hard not to picture how I'd stage it or how it could be staged but certainly from what I've listened to it's got a very good sound and a sound of similar to other shows that I really enjoy you know that as you say that kind of band element um is is very nice and it's something that's actually lacking quite a lot in the west end at the moment there's not really any shows that have got that sound on at the moment um but like you say it's a very the subject matter is quite specific and it's a show that without some of the context or some of the understanding might not go down as well. But equally, the idea around adapting after a horrific event or a traumatic experience is just as relevant today as it ever has been. You know, we're coming out of a global pandemic still, which was traumatic for a lot of people. There's a lot going on in the world that is making life very difficult for a lot of people. Um, So whilst maybe the subject matter specifically isn't relevant. Actually, some of the morals and the motifs are. And in that regard, it isn't going to be that much different, I would say, to some of the other lesser shows that we've saw during 2022 that also deal with these kind of themes, things like Lyft, things like 42 Balloons, things like uh, Ordinary Days, all of which kind of look at grief and and the aftermath of big, significant events and what people do with them. So I think whilst it is maybe unlikely, it's not necessarily impossible.
0: Yeah, I think because it's so heavily rooted in like the American dream in a way, like it's very American, that is the only thing that I think would make it unlikely. But I don't think it's like so beyond, it's not completely impossible that it would transfer. I just think because it wasn't, it's not a big show. It's not like taken Broadway by storm by any means. I think it had, you know, quite a um, a short run. So it was running through from 2018 to uh, 2020. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a, a massive run by any means. Possibly unfairly cut short because of the COVID pandemic, um, but hasn't seen anything since. It's kind of dropped off off kind of everyone's radar. And, you know, it was on a US tour, it was on Broadway, and it's kind of just disappeared because of the pandemic. And that worries me because it could come back at any minute, but also concerns me that no one's fought to kind of make sure that it returns.
1: Yeah. I think part of that, of course, is, is the fact that there is just simply so much theater out there and, you know, mentioned it earlier on in the context of Beetlejuice, there's a lot of shows that want to come over and want to come and do things. So we can't, we can't see everything like as great as it would be to have every show running all the time. Like, obviously that's completely unviable, but I think you are right. Like never say never, you know, who in 2021 would have necessarily said we're going to get a revival of anyone can whistle. Um, for instance, like there are, there are enough small venues out there that are creating shows and let's be honest, if there's people out there doing podcasts about a show and giving it some hype and giving it some love, all the more reason for it to come over. If these shows do get forgotten, that's when they'll never come back. If there's actually people going, we want to see this, then that's going to say to producers, there's a demand for it. So if you want to see Bandstand, join the conversation.
0: I've just seen on my notes, there's a professional recording of the Broadway production that exists. So I think I might have to dig that out. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm watching it.
1: <laughs> I'll allow it. Just this <laughs> once, I will allow it.
0: Um, But yeah, that's, that's Bandstand. I mean, once again, I've already cast this in my head. And once again, Jordan Luke Gage would be playing Don Inavitsky. It's In my defense, in my defense, the the uh, role of Donnie Nowitzki was originated by Cor- Corey Copp, who was in Newsies, actually took over the role of Jack in Newsies from Jeremy Jordan, who originated the role of Clyde in Bonnie and Clyde. So there is logic behind it. These men all have the same voice. Tell me I'm wrong. We'll move on before we uh, incriminate you too much. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong though. the podcast. No, I'm just saying that logically these men all have the similar vocal styles so that it would make sense.
1: Would it challenge Jordan, Jordan Gage? Would it be a role that challenged him?
0: Well, yeah, because he get to get a bit quite, he get to get quite dark with it. Yeah, true. Like it's, it's a heavy show.
1: He has done dark though.
0: So yeah, but. He did JD. He's doing Clyde. You did Romeo. That's the darkest (laughs) role of them all. Very deep role.
1: Yeah, let's move on before (laughs) before this becomes the Jordan Luke Gage episode of Overstudies. So, talking of shows about significant events, a show that I would love to see another revival of, minor revivals, which I think is as relevant as today as it ever has been, is Made in Dagenham which is a show revolving around the walkout of the Ford workers in 1968 in a battle for equal pay. Um, and this is, of course, being said across a landscape of industrial action by just about every industry in the UK going right now.
0: Yeah. I When I asked you the question, shows that you'd love to see again or shows you'd love to kind of appear. I don't know why I'm why I was surprised when this was the first thing that you said.
1: The thing is, as well, it's a it's a fun show, um, but it's a show with a a serious message as well. So it's obviously based on the 2010 film of the same name. And it enjoyed a run at the Adelphi Theatre um in 2014 through to I think 2016, 2015 is where it closed. So it only did um about six months. Like it was actually a really short run there because it only got kind of mixed reviews. And I think part of that is down to the fact that it didn't have a particularly big development period. Um, it, I wouldn't say it was rushed, but it probably could have done with an extra workshop and a little bit more kind of looking at it. And I'm also not entirely convinced even to this day, if Gemma Arterton was the best casting choice to play the lead, um, incredible voice, incredible singer, and has that East End bad girl vibe, but equally it was a bit of a stunt cast rather than necessarily a cast on merit. And I think as well, the Adelphi, as we've already said, is a big theater. Was it the right theater for it? I don't know, but it is a incredibly important and powerful story about equal rights, equality, um, standing up against the man in, in air quotes and getting what's right for you. And Is Tell me, that has not been any more relevant right now than it has been at any time in the last 60 years at this rate.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Like, I think if this show is going to get another life behind it and get a second chance, now's the time to do it. We would get a very different kind of reception to it now, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in 2015, okay, things like gender pay gap and stuff were starting to become quite a big issue again. And, and some of the the social issues involved in it were coming to the forefront, but even then it was quite raw. And as we've discussed with other shows on on the podcast, sometimes playing a show when it's incredibly relevant, isn't always the best time to do something. Sometimes actually sitting on it for a little bit and having it a little bit more retrospective. Yes, it's a story set in the 1960s. How much more time can you give than the best part of 50 years? But actually when the values are just emerging again, it's not always the best time. And maybe that means it's not the best time to do it either against a backdrop of mass industrial action. But equally, Surely the fact that these issues were as relevant today in 2023 as they were in the 1960s, that says something.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you.
1: The main difference I'd say is that Maiden Dagenham set against an incompetent lab- Labour government, whereas now we have an incompetent Conservative government. But I won't go any further down that to- that one but it does actually no, I will go a little bit further down that one one of the <laughs> things I love about one of the things I love about main Dagenham is that the workers are really well-rounded well-written strong characters who you're a little bit afraid of and have got a lot of morals a lot of um advice we see flaws in them um you know there are flawed characters in there Rita's husband Rita's the main the main kind of character that uh, Gemma Rotherton played Rita's husband is your typical man who cares more about going to the footy and going for a ride on his motorbike than his wife going on strike, Um, who doesn't know how to cook dinner or make meals or do the washing or stuff like that. Like, Very stereotypical with good reason. But there's still then a redemption arc that we see. He realises that actually the best thing he can do is support his wife here and be a good male ally, to use modern kind of words to describe it. Meanwhile, we've got politicians um, who are just the most farcical and ridiculous characters you will ever see. You've got the prime minister of the time, Harold Wilson, who is just made out to be the most ridiculous character and just like a giant child, really, more than anything. There's a particularly good um, number about where they all go to Eastbourne uh, for the TUC's conference. And he's just there like being a bloke, with all the other trade union blokes just being completely useless and making it all like manly man club, and meanwhile you've then got Barbara Castle, um, transport secretary at the time, actually trying to do a good job, but still a little bit of a pastiche of, of a politician. Um, there's there is the undercurrent that actually if they wanted to fix this, they could fix it a lot more quickly than they hit when than they did. But you also then see like the U.S. influence of Ford being like, yeah, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. And I think it's an incredibly powerful um social commentary that was very underappreciated.
0: The more I learn about this show, the more I'm like desperate to see it.
1: Watch the film, which is not a musical.
0: Oh, where's the fun in that? Yeah, to be fair, I do need to see the film. Yeah. Like
1: because it's all based on a true story. Like this this actually happened when um we saw the the women workers at Fort Dagenham walk out and then that spread across the country. They walked out in Liverpool as well. Like it's an incredibly important turning point that did lead to equal pay. And equally though, it's it's remarkable to think that this was only happening in the late 1960s and arguably still isn't happening today properly.
0: Yeah. I was going to say it's probably people are getting away with a lot yeah. now. So I think that's why I think it's incredibly relevant still.
1: But then I think one of the challenges with a show like this, without again, getting too far down the rabbit hole is it also casts a bit of a spotlight on things like theatre, because let's not forget equity. The union for performers are currently raising a dispute around increasing pay and all the rest of it. And it's like, is a show that could be seen as quite introspective necessarily going to go down well? I would say yes, but I'm a massive trade unionist, so that's not going to be a surprise.
0: I think it could go one of two ways. <laughs> it's either going to be loved or hated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's me. I'm a Marmite character.
0: Oh um, yeah. I would, I would agree with that.
1: So your final pick of three shows is probably also a bit of a Marmite topic, really.
0: I, I've heard very mixed things about this show, but I am also a defender of the movie musical, well, movie to musical Pipeline. I do not care for anyone's comments on if films should be adapted into musicals and if that is taken away from creativity, because you are wrong and you have not felt joy in your life. Um, No, but like genuinely, this is one of those shows that I think divides even people who do like musicals that are based on films. And that is Mean Girls.
1: I haven't seen the film. I am. I know nothing about this. So please try and do a spoiler free Spoiler free, I can do.
0: Um, Well, I think I can do because I, like many other millennials in their 30s, approaching 30, grew up with Mean Girls, the film. Um, So the 2004 film of the same name written by none other than Tina Fey has actually been adapted for the stage. For those of you who weren't aware of this, um, I actually don't know how you've avoided that news because it's been quite a big deal from what I know about it, it, is pretty much exactly the same narrative as the film. We have Katie who has moved from Africa to Chicago. Um, first time she's ever been in public school. She's always been homeschooled from, uh, you know, the rest of her life. And she gets taken in by the popular girls who are also the mean girls who are the plastics.
1: Is this not just the plot of Heather's?
0: It's funny you should say that because one of the reasons we probably haven't had this show is because Heathers has stuck around for quite a while. Mean Girls was heavily inspired by the film Heathers. Heathers are the OG Mean Girls and the narrative structure and the story and the redemption arc are very similar just with slightly less murder.
1: Less murder, less naked people, semi-naked people.
0: I mean, it could go either way with mean girls. Like I don't actually know, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. you know, this was a film, the film itself came out in 2004 and was actually quite groundbreaking in what it managed to do and the conversations that it was having. It has many, many flaws and the film itself has not aged well in parts. The language that's used, um, kind of the way that it, portrays teenage girls is not particularly good but that's also kind of the point and I think the older I've got the more that I've come to understand that it is actually supposed to be quite a cri- critique of being a teenager and not like realism as such in a way
1: yeah so it's it Sounds like it's got things that therefore are equivalent to Heather's and overlap with Heather's. So it probably does make sense, therefore, as to why we haven't seen it yet. But
0: oh, it, it is the same show, okay. like essentially the same show. The narrative is very, very similar in the sense that mean girls are mean, and then someone comes in and infiltrates their group, and then is like, How can I fix this? Has a very different way of approaching kind of like that, like I said, slightly less murder, but is essentially the same story. And funnily enough, uh, lyrics by Nell Benjamin, who is the wife of Lawrence O'Keefe, who is also involved with Heathers. So is there's, there's a circle. It's essentially a circle here is mean, mean girls and Heathers don't overlap. They are the same thing.
1: Exactly. Isn't there some links back to Legally Blonde as well in there somewhere?
0: Yeah, they both worked on Legally Blonde. There we so, go. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to the cast recording, because this is one that I was like, I'm too impatient. I know the story. Like, I just want to hear the songs. I, I broke my number one rule and was like, I'm going to listen to it. Even though I know we're probably going to get it at some point. I just was being impatient and wanted to hear it.
1: When you already know the story and you already know you know, the show, it, it it's a little bit different when it's an adaptation rather than something brand new. Um, I mean, I broke the rule with Heathers because I thought once the Haymarket run for the original Haymarket run finished, that was it. We were never going to see it again. So I was like, damn it, I didn't see it. I need to listen to it. And then lo and behold, it came back and is never going to go away.
0: And I think the thing for me with Mean Girls is I know this film like the back of my hand. Like I have seen this film probably more than any other film in my entire existence.
1: Even more than Heathers? Yeah. Wow.
0: I I watched Mean Girls at a very young age. In hindsight, not the best idea. Heathers I managed to avoid until I was... Somewhat appropriately aged to watch it, um. But Mean Girls, I think I saw well, 2004. I'll have been about 10. Fair enough. Uh, it's not a film for 10 year olds. I'll tell you that. But because I know it so well, I don't think there's any way that I could spoil the staging in my head because I already know what it looks like on screen. Yeah. So like, I know exactly what choices would be made to make it work on stage but ultimately the music is incredible and i love it's it's basically just heather's the the music is basically the same as heather's the same like rock pop style comes through and it does break my heart to say that we had we would have to sacrifice heather's for me and girls they would not run at the same time in this in the uk it like it just wouldn't happen it would be oversaturation of the market by Lawrence O'Keefe and people associated with him (laughs) like like it genuinely genuinely would be too much Mean Girls vibes
1: we could have Heather's on tour and Mean Girls in the West End
0: we could because ironically I think Mean Girls would fit into the other palace quite nicely it's the right size just the same set to be fair yeah just a bit more pink and you'd be fine (laughs) I have seen clips of like The Mean Girls reveal of like the plastics reveal. And it is very similar to the Heather's reveal. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like incredibly similar. I had to do a double take. So I think, yeah, we'd have to rest Heather's rest, like take a beat from that vibe. And then it'd have to come back. Like we'd get Mean Girls.
1: Never say never then.
0: We're lucky enough to have a film adaptation coming in... I think it's due maybe late 2023, early 2024, Okay, um, which is exciting. Um, A lot of the Broadway cast are actually involved with that. So that should also be quite good. Um, You know, it seems like there's going to be a lot of love and care going into the adaptation of the musical into a film. West End, however... January 2020, we were told we were going to get a West End production. We had final talks. Um, It was expected to open in spring of 2021. Obviously, a pandemic happened. But in January 2021, the producer, Lon Michaels, said, we remain excited to bring this musical to the big screen, relaunch the tour and prepare for a London production. Now, two of those things have happened. So the London production is pending, like i know that it's coming it's just when we will get it
1: when it closes yeah sadly
0: i know it's it's going to be a hard day for annoying people like me when i have to sacrifice one for the other but we move
1: uh over to these listeners when that day comes please do get in contact sending all of your condolences to me and me only as the person yes (laughs) thoughts and prayers for the person who will have to deal with this at least you lot only get to listen to her when we make you um i have to put up with this all the time
0: but yeah that's mean girls that's that's my final final contribution to this episode
1: fair enough um so my final contribution i'm going to just completely derail things. From one show that is basically an adaptation to, of another show to another show that is an adaptation of another show, um, I would like to have a revival. And I mean this 100% deadly seriously. Like, Let me be absolutely clear. This is a 100% serious suggestion. I want a revival of Starlight Express.
0: So my first question is, isn't that basically just cats on roller skits?
1: No. no it is not
0: what is the plot to Starlight Express please do enlighten me so
1: we are inside the mind of a young boy and we follow his model railway and his model trains and the races that he puts on for them okay as they all gather together and they all have their own individual personalities that we learn about through one song at a time and they all gather together for one mega race and then maybe if they win the race things might happen
0: so it is cat
1: it is not cats
0: <laughs> what you have described to me is cats is that is the cats. plot of cats if that's not the plot of cats then what on earth is the plot of cats because <laughs> that's what i saw when i watched the film
1: the plot of cats is gateway drugs
0: let's keep this family friendly shall we <laughs> says me who's just said it's like heathers but with less murder <laughs>
1: yeah. um it's not cats it's nothing like cats i refuse to accept it um So Starlight Express, we haven't seen it in like the full version since 2002, certainly in the UK. We've had some tours, we've had some variations of it, but unless you're going to go into a theatre and modify the theatre and actually do this properly, don't even bother. Because what is the point in doing a show set on roller skates, a show set on roller skates when you just have a normal stage? Like, what's the point when you've got, what, 10 foot by... 15 foot to play with, like you can't, there's no point.
0: It's straight into the audience.
1: Exactly. Whereas when it was in London at the Apollo Victoria.
0: Nice.
1: Um, Which is obviously where now Wicked is. Mm-hmm. They actually properly modified the show to add in like extra little runways and stuff. So above the circle, right in front of the circle, there was a runway that came round. Um, There was bits that like thrust out by the stalls. They put an extra like lifts and stuff so they could very quickly get from ground level to the the dress circle level. So it meant that the races were actually quite exciting because one minute they'd be up above, one minute they'd be down below, one minute they'd be back at the stage. And it just, you actually got that excitement and that wow factor, which you're not going to get if you're just on a normal stage, because you're not going to be able to get like the same level of speed and wow. Um, Yeah, Starlight Express, it's not the best show of all time. It's not the most critically acclaimed show of all time. There are unfounded allegations that it is cats on roller skates but it's good fun like it's good fun and if you're a fan of theater and technical theater and direction and movement and all of the wonderful things that make musical theater actually quite fun and quite a fun like medium starlight is up there in my opinion and yes i saw the original
0: like it sounds like the og immersive experience from what you've just described yeah like if the race is happening around you, that's actually more immersive than some immersive theaters that we've seen, like some immersive in air quotes. Theaters. Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it is definitely like somewhat immersive in that, you know, you do feel part of the action. Like you, the idea is you're off to go and watch like a race yeah. and you feel like you're watching a race despite the fact you're still in a theater. Mm. It's, it's just good fun. Basically. Like that's all I can say about it is it's just fun. And it is a show that has been updated a lot. Like even whilst it was running in London, it got about halfway through its 20 year run. Um, I think it opened in 19... Where's my notes?
0: I'm sorry, it ran for how long?
1: About 20 years.
0: What? Cats on Roller Skates ran for 20 years and I can't even get a Mean Girls transfer. Written
1: in 1984 (laughs) um, and opened on the West End in 1984 and then closed in uh, 2002 with a brief break. So yeah, best part of 20 years. Wow. I've shocked you.
0: I'm You're tr- I am truly speechless that Cats on Roller Skates lasted for that it's long. not
1: Cats on Roller Skates.
0: <laughs> I'm but just thinking of the insurance of having to like make sure that people didn't fall <laughs> from it, the circle.
1: It was the 80s and 90s. Uh, true. It, it was at different goes. times. Yeah. Another show that actually we should have yet another revival of. <laughs> um, no, but part of the thing with Starlight as well is that obviously written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which we'll move on quickly but direction by trevor nunn like really really one of the most famous kind of musical theater directors of that period choreography by arlene phillips who also did like the roller skating choreography as well like there were some big names attached to this and like i say the music is not all of it was great but like the main starlight express theme and the race sequences you got that rush of like adrenaline just sitting in the audience especially like i saw this when i was 10, 11, maybe not even that old. So like, I was young, but also like that's the age you kind of want to see it as well. Like this is a family musical with some questionable parts as any good 80s and 90s family thing has EG Heathers. Um, Heathers isn't a family friendly show. Yeah, I was going to say that it's not a family friendly um, show. Do not take <laughs> your children to see Heathers. Like it is a good production and it is good fun. And, you know, you do come out of it kind of going that was an experience like you are on the edge of your seat for a lot of it
0: is that because you're trying to avoid people roller skating past you or well
1: no because they're, they're you're <laughs> still in your seat they're just at the front of the circle like if you're in like row a then like you know you've got the, the wall there yeah. like in front of that a separate like runway okay so you're still like separated from them
0: haven't they built a purpose-built theater for it somewhere in i want to say like it's in hamburg
1: they have indeed.
0: I don't know why I have that snippet of information in my head, but it was basically
1: doing. It found it a pretty much a permanent home after it shut down in London. Um, and it, well, it's done a few few things. It, it did a obviously a Broadway run, which was not quite as long as as the other one. Um, it's also done various tours around the world. Like to be honest, a lot of uh, Lloyd Webber's productions. Um, But it has basically got, oh, it did a workshop at the other palace. I've just
0: got here in my notes. Again, speechless. All I can (laughs) think of is like, how do you workshop something that is predominantly on roller skates in a theatre where the stairs can only be described as a slide, <laughs> like they are that steep that you could just slide down them? September
1: 2017. What? It did, it did a workshop, six performances at the other palace of the, of the modern, of the new version. No roller skates. They didn't do the workshop on roller skate, but they did. It was kind of everything else, you know, stripped back version with a view to then become the Bokken production which is the one in Germany that you're thinking of that has become basically a permanent home, which I, I've i got a lot of lot of support for, actually, a lot of respect.
0: Especially when you have to purpose-build something for, like a theatre for the show.
1: But also if you are going to purpose-build it, like that's the way to do it, yeah. let's be honest. Like it is a significant show when done properly. And that is the main thing, as I've already kind of said with Starlight, is that if you're not, not going to go all out, if you're not going to put in those runways, if you're just going to do it in a standard theatre and do a very basic set. Don't bother because it you'd be better off reviving Cats and nobody needs that.
0: Fair. That's That sounds absolutely fair. I've seen neither of those shows, so...
1: You're not missing out seeing Cats. You've watched that, the Cats film, haven't I've you? I've seen the film. Yeah.
0: I think that was the last film I saw in the cinema before COVID. So Cats
1: 2019 <laughs> is responsible for the pandemic.
0: So that says a lot about me, I think, as a person and why I am the way I am.
1: Film graduate right there.
0: Yeah. That first class degree is uh, being put to good use (laughs) by me going, I just really like mean girls. We all have flaws.
1: We do. Which probably means it's the end of the show.
0: Yes. I think we've uh, powered through those, surprisingly. Yeah.
1: Powered through them, but also had a nice little chat about them all. Um, Three very different shows from each of us, actually. Creating a a nice, well, I say three different, very, I had three very different shows. Yours were the same show.
0: My, mine were Sad Girl Hours, Creepy Girl Hours, and then Heather's 2.0. Let's be honest, but quite easily captured my imagination of, (laughs) I like big band music and Film adaptations and songs with twangly guitars. And the 80s. And the
1: 80s. So you don't like Solar Express? That's set in the 80s.
0: I've not listened to it. I don't know. Dagenham's
1: set in the 80s. It's not set in the 80s. (laughs) I was
0: going to say, you've literally just said it's set in the 60s. Um,
1: Lazarus is set in the 80s.
0: See, Um, that's why I'm sold.
1: Six very good, very different, but also identical shows there from us because we are never anything but on brand. If you have got any shows that you would absolutely love to see to come to the stage, be they revivals be they transfers be they like productions that you've just kind of heard about do get in touch let us know because you never know we might shout out some of them on our social media we might even do a two point naught of this
0: i feel i feel like there's a lot more that i could talk about like there's so many shows that i do want to see but these are like the top three on my list at the moment
1: get in touch with some of the shows that you'd love to see maybe we'll discuss them on a future episode of the podcast you can do that by heading over to our social media
0: you can find us on twitter at of studies or you can find us on instagram at of studies blog
1: you can head over to our website, www.overstudies.co.uk. Uh, on there, you will find two things. You will find our email address, which is stage at overstudies.co.uk, or you will find Becky's contact form.
0: My contact I'm form. I'm
1: renaming it on the website.
0: Okay, fair. If people start using it, if that entices people to send us uh, contact forms, then Becky so be will,
1: it. Becky will send you a signed email if you signed, get
0: in touch. A signed email. I like, that doesn't
1: cost us anything. <laughs>
0: But a signed email, that makes no sense.
1: Kind regards, Rebecca.
0: My honour to be your obedient servant. R.R. <laughs> R. <laughs> That's quite good for me, I'm not going to lie. Good. This has escalated very quickly. <laughs> it, um, wouldn't be um, a,
1: it wouldn't be overstudied without some chaos.
0: Yeah, that is very on brand.
1: That is all we've got time for though this week. As always, please do please do like, subscribe, share. Um, it means a lot to us when you do that. Please do review it and then other people find out about us and then we can talk more nonsense into microphones. Uh, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place, wherever you get your podcasts with another secret topic that will be revealed sometime between now and then.
0: So it's goodbye from me, Becky.
1: It's goodbye from me, Charlie.
0: And we'll see you next time.